Hey y'all, Lily here. Just a heads up, we have some spoiler talk this episode. I've marked the times in the show notes. Uh, just go ahead and check those whenever you hear spoilers, or just check those now. Thanks! I was telling Lynn that I was expecting like these episodes to not be much to write about because like they were both just long battles and then I ended up writing 1400 words for both of them. Yeah, it is weird how it's like there's there's nothing but also a lot. <laughs> it's so little yet so much. Uh, hello and welcome to It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. I'm your co-host, Lily. Co-host Sam. In your podcast, Ghost Now Robot co-host Lynn. Yeah, our uh, our ghost got a robot. We uh, we decided why not allow the rest of you to hear our beautiful podcast ghost's voice, the new synthetic voice of our podcast ghost. I found one in the back alley, and now I possess it. It, it was the back alley. You're just like a mod soul or, or mod soul Lynn. The synthetic approximately of my voice. I'm really glad that the robot corrected approx to approximately. That's interesting. I didn't, I didn't think that you could give it like shorthand and it would just like actually extend the word. Yeah, it is interesting. But you know, I, I, I'm really excited to get to these episodes. Uh, I have feelings. Uh, we, should we just get into the summary? Set sail for one piece. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to. Fuxing hell. Fuxing. Should we just get right into the episodes? Let's just get right into the episodes. Episode 13, Flower and Hollow. Ichigo runs through town, wondering where his sisters are when Kon shows up and informs him they're home safe. Ichigo is like, now I can look for Uryu, and he tells Kon to take care of his sisters before running off. Cut to school, Chizuru and- fuck, I already scrolled down accidentally. Cut to school, Chizuru and Tatsuki clean up some glass as Orohime stares at something. Chizuru creeps up to Orohime and claims, I'll have no choice but to kiss you if you keep staring off, making Tatsuki angry when Orheime suddenly declares there's a show she wants to watch and everybody has to leave right now. She starts pushing them as the hollow, Num Chandelier, begins <laughs> to move on the roof she's perched on. Yeah, the hollow this time is named Num Chandelier. How are y'all I, feeling about that? Hold on. I love that the, the hollow's name is as goofy as it looks. Like, this is honestly one of the goofiest hollows of the entire franchise. It's just numb chandelier. I love that emo band. <laughs> uh, or he may regret seeing it and only knows that numb chandelier is dangerous and every cell in her body begs her to run away, acting as though nothing is wrong. She looks back to see the hollow has disappeared as Totsky's like, I gotta change, sorry, I'll catch up with you two. Numb chandelier appears above Orihime and notes that Orihime can see her. Cut to town, and Ichigo kills some hollows, cursing Uryu's name as Uryu also kills some hollows, stating that this is for his master, Soken. He recalls Soken teaching him the Helig Bogen, which is the, like, bow technique, and Uryu declares he will win as he fires another arrow. I do like... So, ghost stories where you have to pretend that you aren't seeing the thing that's right in front of you because it only cares about you if it knows you notice, those are, like, the creepiest shit, and I kind of wish they'd they'd gone a little bit more with that. Same. It, like, it makes it really good when Bleach, like, leans into that horror side of things. Yeah, Lynn and I were just talking, like, uh, about how 
we wonder how Bleach would be different if it was a tighter show that like focused more in on those horror aspects. And I, I think we both agreed it, it would probably be better. I can see it. I can definitely see it. Back at school, Chizuru asks why Orihime is looking up as Orihime tells her to run. The Hollow says she won't let them run before shooting seeds all over the school. Orihime shields herself with her arms and manages not to get hit, but Chizuru gets hit, falling over. She expresses pain and gets up, caressing Hime's chin, saying, You're cute when you cry, but I like you better when you smile. Um, do you think this is a good time to bring up the lesbianism shit? Because, like... I think, well, I, th- I feel like we can we can touch on it at the end of the episode. Like, we might as well just make it through the summary and then... Because this is, like, more... It's a more extended discussion that has to do with more than the episode. That's valid. Okay. You're cute when you cry, but I like you better when you smile. Her left hand suddenly grabs Orihime's arm and lifts it with force. According to Chizuru, it's, it's actually moving on its own. Num Chandelier reveals that this is her power. She doesn't like the fight, so she makes humans fight each other with her seeds. Several infected students appear as Toski comes out of nowhere and defeats a bunch of them. There's like an extended drumroll version of the battle theme that starts when Tatsuki shows up, and it's really good. And then she just shows up like an anime protagonist, and it's like, it's been this way for a long time! Anyone who makes her he may cry will get it from me! And I'm like, why aren't you the main character of the show, Tatsuki? I was thinking the same thing! I think... I think Tatsuki would be such a good main character. Alas. Alas. Tatsuki apologizes, saying she can't fully see the hollow, declaring Num Chandelier picked a fight with the wrong person, and that she has always beaten up anyone who makes Orihime cry. Tatsuki defeats more students, and Chizuru unwillingly grabs her shoulder, begging her to run. Orihime calls out and is grabbed by more students as the hollow fires a seed into Tatsuki. Mahalo says some mean shit before Tatsuki tells her to shut up as she gets up. Num Chandelier is amused and asks if Tatsuki understands the position she's in and, like, sort of, like, caresses her, like, face with a tentacle. And Tatsuki responds by biting it. The hollow shrieks and begins hitting her. (laughs) The hollow shrieks and begins hitting her, leading to Num Chandelier firing more seeds at Tatsuki, who finally lets go. She mentally tells Orihime not to cry before kicking her in the stomach. Tatsuki falls and then gets up, like, very creepily, and Orihime has a flashback. I loved the shot of, of Tatsuki getting up off the ground. Oh yeah, it's like, oh yeah, like, here's the cre- here's that creepy zombie shit that Kubo's really good at doing. Both in the anime, like, both in the manga, showing, like, bodies moving in unsettling ways, and in the anime, like, adaptation of those. It's like, it's a thing they're good at. It's one of the better animated parts of the episode, too. Ah, I was gonna say how I miss the anime Bleach is never gonna be. I also miss the anime Bleach is never going to be. We mourn it. The flashback mainly consists of Orihime being bullied for her hair length, I guess? I think it's her hair color, like Ichigo was. No, it was specifically the length. Was it, was it the color? It's the color, but the way they bully her is by cutting her hair. Okay. Because young girls are terrifying. And it getting forcefully cut. She tells her brother she just felt like cutting it, and Totsuki approaches her as a kid, making her feel safe. She notes that Totsuki is the only reason she was able to grow her hair out again, and she'll never cut it again because it is proof of her trust in Totsuki. They're wives! They're absolutely wives. Like, this scene... I also love how it, like, you can compare it directly to Ichigo's scene, where both of them were bullied because of their hair, they both have a shared experience of, like, trying to avoid it, and then Tatsuki, like, just coming in and showing them, like, how to be cool. And, you know, it's like, Tatsuki, savior of the (laughs) (laughs) orange-haired. Is that why Orihime and Ichigo are the couple? Because, like, they both have colored hair? They... Both of them can't get with Tatsuki because she's too be busy, like, winning the Olympics or something. I guess so. <laughs> ideal, ideal ending to the show. Triad. Tatsuki. Orihime. Ichigo. That would be ideal.
In the present, she hugs Totsky and begs her not to cry, seeing she will protect Totsky this time. Her hairpins glow and suddenly separate into six pieces, creating a whirlwind, shocking numb chandelier as it blows away all the students. You picked the wrong person to hurt, she says, as one of the fairies, Tsubaki, asks if she really did not notice them until now. The whirlwind disperses and another, Shuno, is like, she noticed because we've always been closest to her. This is Orihime's new power, Shunshunrika, but we're going to call them fairies because, let's be honest, they're fairies. They're absolutely fairies. Like, I I remember that the first time I saw this, I was like, holy shit, Orihime's power is so cool, and I loved it, like, immediately. Same. I did not remember her having the, like, super badass line of just saying, like, Tatsuki said you picked a fight with the wrong person. No, no, that's wrong. You picked the wrong person to hurt. My wife. <laughs> <laughs> for real uh, I, I liked this part a lot I, I I came away a little bit colder on the like bullying segment uh, but that's something we'll get to uh, like I that's something I want to talk about after the episode another point in the just that I want to mention is the so the Shushinrika especially like they all have like a, a wacky they, they all look like they could be the main character of an anime, but they also have, like, like each of their wings unfold in different ways. And I just thought, like, that's a really cool thing, how they're all, like, little wing things. And they all fold, when they fold up into their aerial modes, they look more or less the same with different colors. But in their, like, little human modes, they have, like, all, one of them's wings come out the, like, the upper shoulders. One of them comes out his legs. Like, and they all, like, they're different. They're all different, basically. Yeah, that's a really good detail. Uh, I, I do like most of their designs. I think they're fun. Shuno explains that they were born to protect Orihime and her power. Uh, sorry, as her power. And the other four, Bygone, Lily, not me, Ayame, and Hinegiku gather. Shuno tells her that only Orihime and probably Ichigo can see them, revealing he is the reason they were born. But Tsubaki kicks her, declaring Orihime doesn't need to know their origins, and apparently neither does the audience. He and Orihime bicker a little before he's like, you gotta learn to use us, like, right now. Um, I wish, like, they, they do go into a little more detail later, like, in these two episodes about the origin of her powers, but I think it's, like, so hand-wavy that, like, I was kind of upset about it. It's very hand wavy. I also like another thing I entirely I completely forgot was how like super video game tutorial that their introduction was. Yeah, it really is. Like how was there not a single like video game where you're just playing a, a 3D adventure Orihime like going through and now you have to use this ability. <laughs> but Sam, that means a woman would be the main character. One day one day. Makes me more mad Tatsuki doesn't have a power with that explanation. Yeah, for real. Hinikiku explains he, Bygone, and Lily can make a shield, but Orihime has to order them to do that and make a Kododama. Num Chandelier asks Orihime why she's talking to herself and starts to attack. Hinikiku tells Orihime to call out their names. Orihime repeats Shuno's explanation of the move. Hinikiku, Bygone, Lily, Santen Kashun, I reject which creates a shield just in time to block the seeds. It's such a good power. Uh, they, like, form, like, a triangle shield, and, like, the seeds, like, reflect off of it. It's really good. Barrier fighters are always the best. Always uh, the best. It's so good. Ayame and Shino fly off to Totsuki, revealing that they can reject whatever is inside the shield these two produce, and to reverse any damage. Soten Kishun is the name of this one, creating a barrier around Totsuki and beginning to heal her. Tsubaki flies over and explains he's also a shield, and that flies inside the enemy, rejecting their matter. He flies toward the hollow, and Orihime uses Koten Zanchun, which immediately cuts Nam Chandelier in half as Orihime collapses. Shuno states that using all of them this early must have been too exhausting for her, but praises her performance anyway before the six once again form Orihime's hairpins. I really like that they're, they're her hairpins. Like, that's just like a really nice little thing. I think it's silly, but I like it too. 
Teresa trope I don't like where the female character only fights or wins only in a fight with a female character. I thought that same thing, then. Like, I, I actually thought the same exact thing. Um, I was thinking, while I was watching this, do we ever see Orihime fight with, like, a male character? And if, if we do, does she win, or does a male character have to come in and save her? Uh, and I think it's probably the latter, and that she probably does end up in a fight with a male character, and, like, has to be saved, but I don't remember. I can think of literally one, like, actual fight that she has in the entire franchise after this. Yeah, just to be clear with those, like, watching, like, just spoilers for, like, tone, I guess. Uh, Orihime doesn't really get to fight, like, ever. Uh, she gets this really cool power, and it's good, and I wish they used it more. But they don't. I actually remember this fight going a lot more poorly than it did. Yeah, this I was really surprised at how fa fast this fight ended. <laughs> it was just like, oh, I'm a shield. I go inside the enemy. I blow it up. Well, this and the Chad fight, right? Yeah, true. That's the amount of faith I have in this writing. Odahara shows up with Tessai, who is carrying Chad. And we cut to Karin bringing Ishin and Yuzu to the field where she left Chad. Ishin is like, I understand, liar. You just want some fatherly love. And he, like, he, like, opens up his shirt to reveal, like, his abs or whatever. And he's like, come, give me a hug. And Karin punches him. And Yuzu says they should all go home. Uh, I thought this was, uh, a lot. I, I wish Ishin wouldn't be like this um this is around the point where i've like <sighs> i i've wrapped back around on like ichigo's like family like the uh the humor of it as being like kind of one note and like i i've realized at this point that bleach just kind of like it finds a gag and then it latches onto that gag and just uses it over and over and over again yeah like in this case the specific gag is Ishin is, oh, I want to care and hug my daughters all the time, and clearly they want the same, so I will expose my bosom and you can come hug me, and have it. we can have an intimate uh, moment together. And Karen, like, kicks him in the face, because that is the proper reaction to the situation. Yeah, also Cone is watching all of this from the top of a telephone pole, which I thought was very funny. Innocent in intention, creepy in execution. Exactly. I do appreciate that Khan, like, he purchased, like, a cat. <laughs> Same! Like, like, he doesn't stand, every time he's on top of a thing, and he frequently gets on top of things, he's always, like, all crouched down like a cat. <laughs> well, he is a lion. That's true. Shit, that's right. Lin's got us here. Lin's got us played. Damn, you're right. Oh, shit, that all, it all makes sense. Orihime wakes up in Urdahara's shop, and Chad is there too, already awake. Urdahara is there and notes they're both finally awake. Orihime is like, who's this guy? And Chad doesn't know either, but notes he must have saved their lives. Urdahara says he did, and wonders where he should begin. Cut to town, Ichigo and Uryu both fight hollows, while Uryu notes he can no longer kill them in one hit, blood dripping from his fingers. He says there are far too many for such a small amount of hollow bait, and they must be coming from a greater force. He thinks of Soken and swears to avenge his death. Meanwhile, Rukia is once again proven to be useless, as Kone kicks a hollow away from her. She thinks it's Ichigo at first, but it's Def Kone because he hugs her and, like, puts his face in her chest like a gross pervert character. He declares he missed her, and she kicks him off, and he's like, Oh, it feels good even to be kicked, and it's bad. She notes this means that Ichigo must be in Soul Reaper form, and Uduyu walks up and is glad to see her all right, noting that this is their first time speaking one-on-one, -on -one, much to Kone's chagrin. She asks him if this is his doing, and he explains what's actually going on. He's like, oh, by the way, I made a really stupid bet and uh, did something dumb, and now people are in danger. The, uh, the visual of his fingers bleeding as he's, like, shooting as he's starting to struggle to shoot arrows, is really, really cool. But also, I feel like the, the turn from Ishida the bad guy to Ishida the noble figure who 
just had like a like just made a bad decision it's kind of sudden i i i I disagree a little bit. I, I think it was weird how, like, normally he was interacting with Rukia here. But, like, I don't think he actually makes, like, the uh, noble turn until, like, next episode. Um, and I think it's a bit more gradual than it seems. It's, it's like, it, it, it's a lot more back and forth of, like, him doing something good and then him, like, reverting back to angry teen, if that makes sense. Uh, true. I what I mean is more like uh, he says like he won't allow anyone to die. Like there, like a big part of his little speech here is he's like, uh, it doesn't matter if Ichigo can't can't handle it. Like I'm gonna protect everyone in the town. I won't let a single person die. And that's the part where I'm like, mm, kind of. I feel I feel like from since the last time we saw him to this point, like it's like two different characters. Yeah, I I can get that. Objection, Your Honor. The witness states that he will not allow anyone to die yet by his own actions he's admitted to putting the whole town in danger for a bet. Witness, how do you explain this contradiction? In fairness, that he does mention this, that for some reason there's like a crazy amount of hollow. He was expecting like, I don't know, 10 or 20, not like upwards of 100. Yeah, that's true. But he did still endanger people, regardless. Oh, 100%. Like, he is absolutely 100% in the wrong. Like, there's there's no For sure. question here. Uh, Objection, he still is 15 and mean. Lynn's right. True. The true mean teen of the team. So after his, like, whole speech of, like, oh, I won't let anybody get hurt, blah, 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 he says, the battle is meaningless if I can't protect people. The hollow reappears, and Uduyu summons the bow again. Back at the shop, Chad and Orihime are in disbelief about soul reapers and hollows, as Urdahara asks if they can deny it after being attacked earlier. He explains that Ichigo is currently battling as a soul reaper right now, and that his spiritual energy has affected them, leading to their abilities. This is that hand-wavy stuff we were talking about. Um, yeah, both Chad and Orihime's abilities get like completely hand-waved as... Oh, uh, Ichigo's leaking so much spiritual energy that you were affected about it and got powers. Uh, don't worry about it. Yeah, in the... In this... At this part in the manga, he does mention it's not just Ichigo leaks energy, it's that he leaks energy... They got bitten by a radioactive spider. They got bitten by a radioactive Ichigo. <laughs> um, it's specifically the energy that he leaks out in his Soul Reaper form. So both of them had... Ichigo, like, really close to them fighting in Soul Reaper form a couple of times, and that's why they get affected. And yet somehow Tatsuki did not! Yeah, and somehow Tatsuki didn't, and also, what about those civilians, huh? What about any civilians, huh? We, we're not gonna learn a story about a civilian getting powers randomly? Because, like, Ichigo can't have just been fighting all these hollows, am I right? That has to be, like, uh, that has to be a filler episode at some point down the line, right? That, like, someone randomly wakes up with powers in town? No, I doubt it, because I don't think Kubo thought this through, and I don't think the anime writers thought any different. I think they're just like, Ichigo gave powers, and then they forgot about it. Especially, like, okay, spoiler talk, uh, cutting here for spoiler talk. Especially because they changed Chad's origin yes. later. <laughs> they changed the origin of his powers, and then they never go back to it ever again. Tatsuki says, fuck, I overslept on the day Chigo was giving out powers. <laughs> yeah, no, they, like, go into the whole Fullbringer shit for Chad. I don't think they ever touch on, like, Orihime's powers again. No, they're just like, it goes against the natural order of things, and it's literally the most terrifying power in existence in the universe. That's <laughs> and then they kind of stop there, and she still doesn't do anything. And yeah. <laughs> Alright, cutting back from spoilers. Wait, hold uh, up. Now you'll have a very easy, uh... Now you'll be able to find it very easily. Yeah, should be able to. Uh... <laughs> 
Uh, okay, he explains Ichigo is battling as a Soul Reaper right now and that his spiritual energy has affected them, leading to their abilities. He says it's up to them which path they wish to walk. Tessai shows up, telling Urahara the Hollows are converging and that preparations have been completed. Urahara begins to leave, asking Orihime and Chad if they will come with him so he can show them what's beyond the door. The Hollow prepares to attack Rukia, Kona, and Uryu as Ichigo appears, cutting it in half. Ichigo states he finally found Uryu, and the episode ends. They have a moment where, like, when Ichigo shows up, like, they both have, like, a bit, like, they both smile, because they have, like, that, like, ah, my rival is doing well smile, but, like, it's entirely unearned, because at this point, both of them have nothing but contempt for each other. Agreed. They, they, they're, like, they hate each other, and, like, to this point... Uryu still, like, to my understanding, completely hates Ichigo, uh, and, like, we haven't gotten any development on this front, but they're like, ah, my rival, and it's like, guys, guys, step back, Ichigo would definitely be grabbing Uryu by the collar and, like, threatening him right this second, uh, and in fact, that's what happens next episode, but we'll get there. And before before we go into the deeper discussion, I'm I'm gonna go through the the manga like differences. Uh, okay. Because I think it's it's better to put them near the. I I don't want to like do the big discussion and then cut in with the manga changes. Yeah, that's valid. Uh, so first, I actually give props to the anime to downplay the hollows like creepy behavior in the manga. Like it's way it's got way more like being touchy-feely with the tentacles and being cr- and like creepy laughter and being like mm, yes i'm so glad i got a pretty one like it's, it's real bad uh when orihime gets up to go to tatsuki she straight up beats the shit out of everyone holding her down like she kicks them in the face she bites arms like she pushes them off of her which is a really good like oh shit like she can act like she too is actually a character uh and there is also a point where Ryu, like, specifically wonders about, like, um, damn, like, there's way more, like, he, he basically, like, has guilt shown because of his actions having, having endangered the town instead of, like, just bringing up a couple of dozen hollow that he could have easily taken out. And those are basically, like, this, that thing and the, um, the aforementioned, uh, Urahara explanation that, it's all about, like, being close to Ichigo in Soul Reaper mode instead of just, like, Ichigo. Okay, well, that's not too many changes. Uh, I am also glad they cut that shit out with the tentacles because, God, that sounds gross. There's that, and also, uh, akin to our discussion here, uh, they they cut, like, uh, this is, like, the third or fourth time they do this. They cut, like, 90% of Chizuru's dialogue slash actions. It's time to talk about lesbians, uh, by which I mean, Bleach does not treat lesbians well. Um, they have, okay, we have Chizuru, and like, obviously you already listened to this, uh, to the summary. Uh, she like, I don't want to call it threatens, because it's not really that tone, but she basically threatens to kiss Orihime. Uh, and, like, Totsuki's like, oh, what are you saying all of a sudden? And, like, there was definitely, like, straight up a part, like, here where I actually expected, like, with that kiss moment, I expected Chizuru to grab, like, threaten to grab Orihime's boobs. Like, I straight up thought that was going to happen with, like, the way, like, the framing was. Um, but I think it's worth noting that, like, Chizuru is going to continue to be this character who has an unrequited crush on Orihime, and it's consistently throughout the show played off like a joke. Um, From what I understand, like, uh, especially from what you were saying, Sam, uh, a lot of her dialogue from the manga is cut, because in the manga it's actually worse. Yeah, like, it's, ve- it's very similar, or it's just, like, a more specific, like, oh, I would, what I would give for, to kiss Orihime, and that, and it's like, on the one hand, like, the, the, in the character files, she is described as, like, a proud lesbian, or maybe that's only on specific wikis, um, but, 
And it's like, it's cool to have a character in an anime as far back as like the early 20, the early 2000s, who is, who is a lesbian and isn't like either A, a villain or B, like horrifically murdered. Like, as far as I'm aware, Chizuru is like more or less fine for the rest of the season. She, like, nothing bad happens to her. And it's like, it's cool to have a, a lesbian character. However, like Ishin, she has the one joke. And in this case, the one joke is she's a lesbian and she's predatory to her shy friend. Like, and they play it off as like, oh, she's just kidding. And or and Orihime is like, clearly uncomfortable, but it's fine because it's just friends joking around and it's not cool. It's really not cool. Uh... The uh, text-to-speech bot appears to have left, but Lynn says the portrayal of her as some kind of harasser is awful, and I agree with that. Uh, it really, really sucks to have, like, the one lesbian character be, like, a harasser. I don't have much more to talk about this episode. Uh, I think we can probably take our five-minute break and move on to the next one. I think that's good, yeah. Alright, see y'all after the five minute break. Episode 14, Back to Back, A Fight to the Death Ichigo states he finally found Uryu and it's time to beat the hell out of him. Uryu pulls back an arrow and Ichigo runs towards it. Uryu's blood causes the bowstring... To be clear, Ichigo runs towards the, the, like, a hollow that appears. I forgot to write that. Uh, Like, the hollow from last time, like, reappeared. uh, And... Uryu pulls back an arrow to, like, shoot at the hollow, and Ichigo runs towards the hollow. Uryu's blood causes the bowstring to slip, and the arrow hurtles towards Ichigo, though, who slashes it, and then the hollow. He turns to Uryu and challenges Uryu to a fight one-on-one. Uryu says nothing, and Combs notes the large crack in the sky. Uryu notes that the hollows are converging around it and begins to run up some steps to fight more hollows, while Ichigo tells him to think carefully about his next actions, as there are just so many freaking hollows. There are so many of them. There are so many. Uryu asks Ichigo if he's scared, advising him to stand and watch if he is, declaring himself the winner as he reaches the top of the steps, killing multiple hollows with a splitting arrow. He declares the last Quincy will take them on, and Ichigo's like, what does that mean? Uh, so Ruki, of course, explains that the genocide of the Quincy happened 200 years ago. It was I, It does not, in the show, to be clear, it does not call this genocide, but it's absolutely genocide. It was apparently a difficult decision to make, but previously soul reapers were known as balancers, because a roughly equal amount of souls are maintained between soul society and this world. Yeah, they're cops. Soul reapers exist to adjust this number, but that changed when the Quincy showed up as they completely destroy hollows rather than purifying them, leading to an increase of souls in the human world. I don't think this math really checks out that way, but alright. Well, I think hollows are base are counted as part of the human world. I mean, I I got that. I I get that. It's it's just like I I feel like it would lead to more souls in soul society because at this rate, like, I, I d- does that make sense? I they're killing hollows, like getting rid of them, so they're just disappearing from existence. Yeah, I think at some point they mentioned that, like, some souls reincarnate back into the human world or something, but it's, like, not super... What does soul society give back to the human world? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. They're cops. They're cops. Eventually, this would have led to both worlds' destruction. Uh, I 
wasn't really sure why they don't really explain this. They're just like, oh yeah, uh, if the balance is out of whack, destruction. Soul Society begged the Quincy to leave Hollows to Soul Reapers, but they refused. The decision was made as the number of Quincy rapidly grew, and then they were eradicated. She asks, do you think this is the result of a Soul Reaper's arrogance? I absolutely do. And Ichigo runs toward Uryu, who defeats yet another Hollow. Um, we'll keep getting to this, like, uh, later in the episode. Uh, I really don't like the way they paint this genocide. Yeah, well, it's very, it's very, like, right side of history, right? Yeah, it's just, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. It's a specific note I have with something that Uryu says later. Uryu notes how many hollows there are and thinks of Soken once more, but is surprised to see Ichigo standing at... Oh, it's, like, right here, so it's gonna be the perfect time. But is surprised to see Ichigo standing atop a mountain of hollows. As you tell Uryu, he knows why he fights. I don't know who was right, but I don't like your method, says Ichigo, as is like, I don't care about that story, dude. I actually get where the Soul Reapers were coming from. At least until Grandpa died. So, yeah, at this point, Uryu basically says, like, I actually sided with the Soul Reapers on them, like, eradicating my people. I thought this was very strange. Um, like, I agree that things would have been better if, like, they had talked it out. But I don't... I think it's very strange for anybody to agree with the genocide of a people. So, uh, I actually like, like, Ishida's specific reaction here. Um, first, so, on the one hand, the way that the show frames the killing of all Quincy's, or at least most Quincy's, right? Because we learned that there, are some, there were some Quincy's left. The, the way that they frame it is, and this is, this is the framing by Uryu, this is the framing by Urahara, and this is by the framing by Rukia's explanation that Urahara gave her. The framing is, the Quincy were doing stuff that was going to lead to the death of, like, the universe. It was going to break reality. Soul Reapers approached them mul- at multiple occasions, and in order to, like, sit down and talk, they refused each time. Soul Society made the decision, okay, we're destroying them. Right? Like, that's the framing. Ishida's, yeah. Ishida's thing is... This is a thing that happened, like, far behind me. I don't have an attachment to my culture here, but, and so I don't really have a dog in that fight, and I don't really care what the result was that, because if I look at the framing that my grandfather gave me, yes, the Quincy were in the wrong, so I don't really care. Like, that's kind of where he's approaching from, and then his thing is, I don't care about that conflict, I have a personal tragedy. This is petty revenge, and I'm treating it as petty revenge. Uh, that's true but i do i wish that this particular angle of it where ishida's like no like this is like this is revenge this is like very explicitly just petty revenge like i wish that had come up earlier because i feel like it makes his um it makes his behavior i feel like a lot it makes it a lot of his behavior make more sense like it make the way he treats ichigo the way he like treats soul reapers because he knows that ichigo like very recently became a soul reaper like yeah. it, it just paints his actions in a different light, so it's like, oh yeah, no, it's like this isn't a grand thing, and it it also makes sense why he uses like the hollow bait because it's like it's not about being morally better or whatever. It's no, this is petty revenge. I'm doing a contest and I'm gonna win it. That makes sense. I did not look at it that way, uh, and I, yeah, no, that makes sense. I I wish they had framed the genocide a bit better. Uh, but, you know what, like, that makes sense for Uryu. Don't worry, spoiler alert, they get much worse on the Quincy's. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, we get a flashback to Soken, explaining he felt the Quincy were at fault for refusing to listen, but that it doesn't matter who was right or wrong, only that a tragedy like this doesn't happen again. It saddens him to see the sad faces of people, and in the present... And in the present, Uryu states that Soken was a kind man who never hated anyone. He had pleaded with the Soul Reapers to join forces, as they told him not to interfere with their work. 
One day, he had been confronted by five hollows, and couldn't take them on without the help of Soul Reapers, but they showed up two hours too late, leading to his death. Uryu states they could have saved him if they had only listened to him. So this is that petty revenge thing that Sam was talking about. Did our text-to-speech bot leave again? It always leaves. If we if we don't use the text-to-speech bot, it just leaves after a couple of minutes. That's... Okay. Okay. Uryu states he needs to prove to the Soul Reapers his strength, and acknowledges that he and Ichigo have opposite ways of thinking, and to watch if Ichigo disagrees with his methods. But Ichigo kicks him and says he talks too much. Uryu demands to know what Ichigo is doing, and Ichigo points out Soken's real hope. Soul Reapers and Quincy should work together, rather than prove their power of one over the other. He pulls Uryu to his feet and states that it's fine if they have different ideologies, it's best to fight multiple opponents back-to-back. The two fights some hollows, and yeah. Uh, I really like the way, because Ichigo here opens up about not wanting others to go through his pain. Uh, like, because he lost his mother, and he doesn't want other people to have to face the pain that he went through. And already, like, that's a, it's a motivation that I really like. Uh, but also, it's a direct contrast to Uryu's motivation, which is... Yeah. I had this very similar situation of a hollow killing my uh, my uh, loved one, and I'm going to... Get, I'm going to get stronger at the people who I'm blaming for his death versus I'm going to make sure no one else has to go through this. It is also hilarious that all the hollows are just standing around like Assassin's Creed characters waiting for their turn. Yeah! Yeah! It's really funny. It's like you pick up an item in like Legend of Zelda or something and like everyone's just standing around. I, I specifically have this memory of like Skyward Sword during like that, that part where you're like going down uh where the seal is uh and you have to like fight a ton of bacoblins and i just specifically remember like doing a spin attack and like picking up an item in the middle of the spin attack because like one of the bacoblins dropped it and the game just freezing as a bunch of bacoblins are like flung around me in the air i that's a good memory off topic though at the end of like that exchange between uh, Uryu and Ichigo about, like, uh, Ichigo's mother. Uh, Uryu repeats Ichigo and says, Ichigo talks too much, but then he agrees that they must survive so that they can be sparring partners, which is, like, just a sudden turn. Um, like, I, I definitely did think, like, it was uh, handled better, but now that I'm, like, looking back on it, it really is kind of sudden. Like, it's, like, they're all... They were, like, leaning into, like, ah, yes, my rival has arrived, like, earlier in the episode, and now they're just, like, straight up, yeah, we've got to, we're both gonna make it out of this, and then we're gonna beat the shit out of each other. Hell yeah, shonen protagonists. (laughs) (laughs) The two fight a bunch of hollows, but Uryu draws Ichigo's attention to the sky, where Menos Grande grips the crack, pulling it open. Its head comes into view, and Uryu states the hollow bait should not have drawn such a huge hollow. The Menos looks super goofy. <laughs> I th- like it's or its first bit where it's like showing up for the first time, and it's like creeping its head out. That part is terrifying. Its actual defu- design is absolutely ridiculous and goofy as hell. Yeah, like it. The second it like steps out of like the portal, it's like there's so many shots of it of its face that looks so like so off model in like a really funny way. <laughs> like I couldn't take this thing seriously. Um, Ududu, Jinta, and Tessai appear, destroying several hollows, and Urdahara claims that they came to help. They continue to destroy the weaker hollows, and Urahara explains that they'll take care of the weak ones so Ichigo can focus on the Menos. Now it's a little goofy, but I remember being a kid and being underscore terrified underscore of that thing. I was... I don't blame you. It, 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 I can definitely see that being spooky for a younger audience. Like, it has to tear open the sky to come in. <laughs> Which is pretty rad. That part's pretty rad. Ruki explains to Kone and to the audience that Menos is a big hollow formed from hundreds of other hollows combining, but she's never actually seen a real one. 
Only the Royal Guard are supposed to combat it, but there's no way a single Soul Reaper can take it on. The Menos turns to face Ichigo and Uryu as Ichigo runs up to it. Rukia begins to run to him before Urahara binds her, being like, Rukia, you know you can't do things. This battle is necessary for Ichigo. As Ichigo leaps and stabs the Menos Grande's foot, who kicks him back to the ground. Uryu fires an arrow and it does nothing. <sighs> they're, they're doing the Rukia thing again. They're doing the Rukia thing. And Urahara is like... It, it, he says... It's a very important fight that he must take. And also for you. I'm like, what? No, you're just... You're... Like... Because because of author Fiat, obviously she's completely powerless and she wouldn't be able to help in this fight. However... Stop... Keep... Stop kicking her out of fights. <laughs> like, let Rukia fight. Like, let Rukia do anything. She's so quickly been sidelined by this show. Like, every single time she tries to do anything helpful, she's either A, by the show, proven to be useless, uh, because her spells do fuck... They do fuck all. Or, like, B, she's told by another character... In this case, and, like, so far that we've seen, always a male character that, no, you don't get to fight. You need to sit by and watch as Ichigo does this fight, because it's important for both of you to grow as people. And it's like, no, this is bullshit. This is stupid. Let Rukia fight. It's really, really frustrating, honestly. Like, Rukia could could be such a fun and cool character... If she was able to do, and even if she had, like, even if Rukia had literally just the uh, power and strength of a, a teenage body, like, let her like be a distraction. Let her call the shots. Let her like do. Tatsuki got more action. <laughs> True. Like Tatsuki got more action. Hell, technically speaking, Chizuru got more action in fight scenes. It's so so frustrating. An anime OC got more action. An anime OC got more action. <sighs> Kubo? Kubo, come here. I know you're listening. Kubo? Write Rukia better. Go back in time. Take, take your fucking, like, time spell. Write Rukia better. What if he wrote her worse, but then we wouldn't care about her as much, so it wouldn't hurt as much when she doesn't do anything? <laughs> Then that would be bad! Give us the rights to the works. Give us the rights. Give us the rights. <laughs> oh, God. We'll fucking do it. Yeah, uh, the end game of this podcast is us writing our own, our own canon for Bleach. I mean, fans have been doing that for 20 years. This show lives in my head rent <laughs> free anyways. People have been doing that for 20 years anyway. It's, it's called fanfiction. Yeah, I know, but... We we can do a live rewrite of the show. <laughs> I think that'd be pretty good. There's a funny bit where Ichigo explains his plan of cutting away the Menos from the bottom up, section by section, to Uryu's disbelief. Uryu tells him to get up as he puts a hand on Ichigo's Zanpakuto, noticing his bow and arrow increase in size when he does so. He notes he must be absorbing Ichigo's spiritual energy... Ichigo asks about it, and Uryu reveals that they may have a way to deal with the Menos after all. I uh, just want to state here, weird that uh, Uryu doesn't get, like, even more special powers uh, from Ichigo. Like, I, I get he already has powers, but they're, like, base Quincy powers. I feel like uh, if he's absorbing this much energy, he would get something more than just, like, a power up. But that's asking too much from the show, I guess. You can't get bitten by the radioactive spider twice, Lily. But has that ever happened, though? Yes. Think about it. Yeah? Yes. From a distance, Orihime and Chad watch, confirming they can see Ichigo and Uryu clearly. Urahara asks them to watch, apparently, and Orihime wonders if he wanted them to see so they could decide which path to take. She admits to herself that she hasn't forgotten anything from the night her brother attacked, but she could only doubt her memories. She asks Chad what they should do, but he says nothing. Uryu declares it's time to go with Ichigo's Zanpakuto tied to his head. Ichigo lets go, and the arrow shrinks back to its normal size. 
Uryu explains with Ichigo's spiritual energy, he should be able to fire a massive arrow, assuming Ichigo channels all of his energy into Uryu. Ichigo's like, okay, how I do that, though? And Uryu's like, are you serious? How have you been fighting hollows? And notes Ichigo's spiritual energy must always be at max level. The two are alerted as the Menos begins to charge a Cerno, a big ball of energy, in its mouth. Just one thing. Uryu mentions it's... Uh... Ichigo thinks he's always at max, and that's what he says. Because Ichida says, hey, charge yourself to the max, and then touch the sword, and it'll give me, like, the biggest arrow in the world. And Ichigo says, but I'm always at max. And Uryu says, you can't be always at max, you would die. Like, you would actually die. Uh, I think you might be getting a little mixed up there. There's, like, a few cuts of Uryu, like, comparing Ichigo to a faucet. Well, the the compa- Well, we can get to that comparison after because I think it gets a little bit more in the manga. Okay. But yeah, we'll get to it after. Ichigo grabs the Zanpakuto and blindly runs towards the Menos, ignoring Uryu's plan as the Menos fires a huge arrow at him. Ichigo struggles to withstand such firepower, and Uryu notes Ichigo's spiritual energy is increasing and recalls his own way of thinking. It's not possible for someone to always be releasing the max amount of energy; it would eventually run out. He realizes Ichigo must have an insane amount of spiritual energy available, then, if his unconscious output is so high, and wonders what would happen if all that energy were suddenly let loose. Ichigo pushes through the Cerro and makes a massive cut along the height of the Menos, causing it to rear back and pull the sky back open, retreating to whence it came. I love this shot of the of the fucking Menos, like, leaving as it, like, grabs the sky like a curtain. It's the coolest. It's the coolest thing in this episode. It's it, when it grabs it like a cloak, and it's like the very sky is my shield. And she's like, "What the fuck is happening?" Yeah, that shit was wild. Ichigo makes a peace symbol and declares victory, as everyone is shocked at what they just witnessed. Tessai especially notes this must be why Urahara is so interested in Ichigo. Ichigo collapses, and his zanpakuto begins distorting and like glowing. And Rukia explains that this is the result of him releasing so much power at once. His spiritual body will not survive at this rate. Uryu steps on Ichigo's zanpakuto, and several cuts form along the former's arm. He begins firing several arrows into the sky, detailing how this should stabilize Ichigo as he's, like, releasing spiritual energy in bursts, as Ichigo notices that Uryu's hand is tearing apart. Ichigo's like, what are you doing? And Uryu's like, you have to stay alive, otherwise who am I going to beat the fuck out of? And he continues to fire off arrows, mentally asking Soken to forgive him for looking away from his own failures. His own failures to protect his grandfather by deflecting into hating Soul Reapers, and he declares that today will be the day he saves the Soul Reaper. He falls to his knees as Ichigo stabilizes, and the episode ends. This is also where we get like the, a new ending theme. Yeah. And it's the ending theme with the dreaded pure white outfit Rukia. <laughs> the 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 most cursed bleach content. <laughs> but at least the song's good. At least the song's good. I do also like really like the concept of him like tearing his body apart just so Ichigo doesn't die because he's like, no no, you have to stay alive so I can beat the shit out of you. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Like, it, it's good that they're, like, bros now. I wish there were more development on that, but, like, Jesus Christ. I don't have that much to say on this episode. I overall enjoyed it. Uh, I think there were a few missteps, namely, um, I think Ichigo, uh, sorry, Uryu's development was a little bit, it was a little bit sketchy, um, and I think... I, I really wish that Urdahara's explanation of, like, that that happened, like, last episode, but I, I really wish Urdahara's explanation of, like, powers had been uh, not as hand-wavy, but I think overall this was a good episode, uh, a good batch of episodes. Uh, I liked this- I don't like the framing of the Quincy genocide at all. I don't like it either. Um, I, I think- I think it's a huge misstep for both the show and the characters within the show to basically go, oh, this genocide? Totally justified. Uh, I, You could argue it would be much too soon for like a flashback 
to like the Quincy genocide, but like I I almost wish they had gone into it and like actually like made the politics of this genocide like interesting. Uh because as it is, the show basically just says, Oh yeah, we told them the world was going to end if they didn't stop this. They didn't listen, so we killed them. And the characters are just fine with that. Well, like, Rukia and Ichigo both have moments where they're like, don't know if I'd agree with that. This seems like it could be, like, the hubris of Soul Reapers, and they both question it, but then the show completely drops it and go, and, like, have Ichigo go, oh, well, I mean, cool that you're having doubts, but I don't actually care about that thing. I'm talking about, like, a personal tragedy here. Yeah, they do have those moments. Uh, I... I think overall, though, the show definitely, like, frames it as the Quincy were in the wrong. 100%. The, like, the show doesn't give any reason why, um, like, the information that we are given essentially becomes the Quincy were doing something bad that could lead to the death of everyone if they, and they were advised multiple times, and they didn't stop. And, like, so it's like, well, I guess the Quincy were mustache-twirling villains. I guess. Yeah. Like, there is no nuance here. It's just, the show, the shows, in, the information that we have about Quincy so far is that the Quincy were mustache-whirling villains. I, 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 much as I have complicated feelings and a genuine dislike of some of the stuff that happens in Full Metal Alchemist, I really wish we had gotten the Full Metal Alchemist moment here where they go back to the war and we, like, learn more about what happened. Um, I think it would have been a really good opportunity for us to learn both more about Soul Society and more about Quincy's, and I think it would have led into some more interesting stuff than what actually happens in the show. Um, I, I just wish, I think my biggest issue with Uryu himself, like, stating that the, he actually sides with the Soul Reapers in the genocide is that I think, like, obviously with us looking deeply into it, we can see that what he's actually saying is, I don't care about that, I, I'm just here for revenge. But I think with the average viewer, or like, for example, a younger audience member who, like, is the target of this show, would read that as, oh, yeah, the Quincy's were in the wrong. Uh, and, like, that, that does get back to the show actually framing it that way. Uh, I just... It, Having a portrayal similar to FMA would mean Kubo would actually have to do research into how shit has real-world implications and consequences, and that's not gonna happen. You're absolutely right, Lynn. So, the manga does have, like, some extra stuff about specifically Uryu's, uh like interior thoughts and motives in this ep- in, for this episode in particular like it had a bit for the previous one um but it also had some here and it also has a really good moment from Ichigo who says your actions don't matter your actions endanger people it was no it's your reasons for your actions don't matter your actions endanger people it was irresponsible and I won't forgive you but that's for later like when he shows up to help Ishida with the mob of hollows that's what he tells him he says Okay. He says, like, yeah, personal tragedy, who cares? Like, you put people in danger, and that's a problem. The There's, like, this weird thing where it's not... Like, Ishida's actions aren't, I'm going to beat Soul Reapers. It's... Or at least, like, they reframe it in this, in this batch of chapters, basically. Because they say he specifically blames... Uh, his grandfather's death on Soul Reapers not understanding how strong Quincy's are. And he takes that as the reason why they don't work with his grandfather, as opposed to them being shitty cops who don't want to work with them. Um, So he's doing all this to show Soul Society how strong Soul Reapers are. And yeah, so it's like this weird... You mean how strong Quincy's are? uh, Quincy's are, yeah. Uh, It... And it's like, there's like a hint of a, oh, maybe he, it's very similar to Ichigo's thing, where he doesn't want other people to live through his tragedy, but it's, like, I think the the anime taking it more, like, dropping that angle and making it more of like, no, this is petty revenge, deal with it, I think that's a stronger direction for the character. Um, 
Although he does, like at the very end when he's shooting the arrows in the sky, there is a moment where it's not Juts, you have to stay alive so I can beat the shit out of you. It's also, you were hurt because there were unforeseen actions to my selfless methods. So I can't let you die because of my methods that would like break my pride. Which I thought is a much better reason to try to save Ichigo's life at that point. Agreed. Oh, also, the Menos does an absolutely terrifying thing. It shoots its tongue out. Like, as soon as it shows up, it shoots out its tongue, stabs through, like, two dozen hollows, and then eats them. Oh my god. Like, it's very graphic and terrifying. And it's like, holy shit, why is this on the page? From what I've heard, because I, I was looking at, like, the wiki page for, like, Orihime, um, like, during these two episodes, because I wanted to get, like, the names of her powers right, uh... I think overall what I've read is that the manga is just, like, in general more graphic than the anime. Um, yes, during the seeds, like, the during the first fight, you can see the seeds, like, sticking out of people. Like, sticking out of Tatsuki. It's sticking out of Chizuru's shoulder, and it's sticking out of uh, Tatsuki's face. Like, oh my god, it's horrifying. I do also specifically recall uh, in the manga... Y'all remember how, like, Orihime's parents, like, in the anime, it just says, like, oh, they abandoned Sora and I. Yeah, it's like, it's like oh, they're gone. In in the manga, like, apparently, and this is just from what, like, I read in trivia on the wiki page. In the manga, it's framed as their mother was a prostitute and their father was an alcoholic. Oh, so the framing is, like, her brother took them out? I guess so. That's, yeah. That would also make sense on the whole, like, he's her primary caretaker at that point angle. Yeah, I, I'm kind of glad they took that out, because, like, that's really fucked up. Yeah. And, like, I don't trust Kubo to handle that well. 100%. Uh, I, I think what I want to say before we start ending the episode, unless you have more manga changes. Uh, there's just one that I that I didn't get through to, which is just, they, they explain how Soul Reaper and... Quincy powers work and how they work together which is soul reapers have a powerful soul and then they push out the energy from their soul to make the sword and then Quincy's are just normal humans so their soul is not powerful at all but they gather energy from outside and turn it into their arrows oh I like that that's interesting so that's why as soon as he touches the sword well the sword is, is pure energy and he takes in energy to make his arrows and that's you know the that way. makes sense so, what I want to say, and this is just a general statement about Bleach, and, like, just, like, really, really quickly backtracking to the framing of genocide, uh, and, like, the fact Kubo, as a writer, is not focused on politics. Not even slightly. He's focused on characters, but the problem with this work especially is that he focuses so much on characters, but abandons those characters. And I think that's a problem that will become very apparent throughout the show. Yeah, like, this is, this is an issue that becomes a lot... Like, he's interested in the, in the machinations of specific characters, but not groups or societies, as it were. Like groups are rep are represented as things that exist, and then if there's some, if there's a will, if there's a uh, political force inside that group, it's entirely, it's always entirely based on like a character, and then later on, it's very like he borrows from aesthetics. He like he very he there's a lot of aesthetics that Kubo goes for, and that he'll borrow like for the look of a character, for the look of an organization, but he doesn't. Uh, engage with the politics of where those aesthetics come from in the slightest. Yeah. You'll you'll notice especially uh like just like for hollows and anything associated with hollows, for example, uh always sticks to like Spanish words and like will not engage with that usage at all. And then for like Quincy's which is going to become increasingly problematic. Um, we'll we'll get there way down the line. Um, the it's all in German. Yeah, like the Quince, the Quince, I guess 
I suppose now is probably good. To, like we mentioned, wanting a flashback to perhaps like, hey, what happened before the genocide of the Quincy's? Like what happened before that time? But I, and this is spoilers for the end of the series. But like, yeah, right, right here, big spoiler warning. That we're we're going to discuss really quickly, like part of the last arc of Bleach, which to be fair lasts like three hundred chapters. But like, I did just big warning. Well, it's just. I mentioned that the show at present treats uh, Quincy's as mustache twirling villains, and they were. As, like, when we see Quincy's later on in the show, with ex- specific exceptions, the Quincy's of 200 years ago absolutely were mustache twirling villains. They're Nazis. They're, they're literally, like, they're the way they are dressed, and the fact, like, it, it's very, 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 very clear. That Kubo is trying to draw a Nazi, like, Nazi imagery. And it, it, it gets very, very uncomfortable later. Um, uh, it, it's probably, like, if, if you are listening and you haven't, like, seen Bleach and you're still listening to this, like, even with the spoiler warning, it is worth mentioning that, like, there is swastika imagery later. And, like, it is supposedly like the like one that's not associated with Nazis, but it's still really messed up because it delves so deep into the Nazi imagery later. Yeah, well, it's like this is what we this is what we mean with like um, Kubo was it's aesthetics first, right? It's aesthetics before all. It's he's going to write. He's basically going to write himself a two-page spread. He's going to write the two-page spread to have the cool shot, and then he'll write the story around it, right? Um, yeah. And a lot of that is he's ve- he's borrowing very, very heavily from not from Nazi military uniform uh, style of imagery. Like, he's using that style of army uniforms. There's an entire group who just, like, you look at that and you're just like, ah, yes, the anime Nazis are here. Yeah, it's it's so easy, easy to tell when the Quincy show up again. Uh, like in full force um, that all he wanted was for the bad guy to be Nazis and to be fair Nazis are bad guys but also please if you're going to use that like at least put some thought into how you're using that (laughs) especially when it like retroactively makes one of your character part of like basically part of a group of Nazis I mean to be fair that turn like doesn't even like not a single person buys the turn. I don't know. That, I mean, true. Th- like this is this is definitely something we can discuss afterwards. But like, yeah. Anyway, th- I'm I'm gonna make another clap here. Spoiler talk over. Anyway, we should end the show. This has been It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. You can find me on Twitter at lavender underscore pause. I'm at at SSBSLJ. And Lynn is, well, I guess, I guess Lynn can tell you. At Lot underscore Lake on Instagram. That is L-O-T-E underscore Lake on Instagram. Uh, we will see you next time. Stay cool, chads. The show's at Bleachcast. Send us questions. Bye. Oh, wait. Yeah, at Bleachcast. I-W-O Bleachcast at gmail.com. Bye. Stay cool, chats. We're good at this. アプリシエーションな気持ちよどうどうけいつもありがとう本当はありがとうたとえどこに立って君の存在に感謝してるよ